Welcome back to Code Adam Podcast. My name is Julia, and today's interview is with Jason Maddock. Jason is another former resident of Ironwood who attended the program between January 2011, December 2011, so about a full year. Thank you so much, Jason, for being our guest today. Could you please just Thank introduce you. yourself and uh, tell us what your first day was like at the program? Uh, I'm Jason Maddox. Uh, I was from from Maine and uh, born and raised, so... Uh, uh, my first day at Ironwood was uh, not too crazy because it's in the middle. You know, it's in, you, you get sent in the middle of nowhere of Maine, and it really is in the middle of nowhere. Uh, uh, but I was brought by my parents. I was well aware of it, and I was even warned about going, you know, a year before. So I, I was pretty lucky in not having to be kidnapped by uh, Station Sound uh, in the middle of the night. But uh, my first day, it, it was, you know, they bring you in, they take your bags and they go through every little thing. They put anything that you're not allowed to have right into inventory and uh, you probably won't ever see it again until you leave. Uh, and then they sit you down, take your shoelaces so you can't run. And uh, then they sweat, give you a uh, uh, gauze pad to rub on your neck uh, to get sent so they can give it to the dogs to uh, track you if you ever happen to run. Uh, and they'll end up calling a code at them for that. Uh, and shortly afterwards, they uh, give you a binder and uh, it's either a folder or binder, I can't remember, with uh, uh, three different tasks in there. Uh, you know, you got to write a page or two pages for, for each question, and uh, you have to sit outside underneath a gazebo from sunup to sundown while everyone else is, you know, going to school and doing whatever uh, until you complete those tasks. Uh, but that's the first day. That's intake. They bring you in, take your, take your, uh, all of your belongings, take your shoelaces away, take everything from you. No pillows, no mattresses, and uh, make you sit outside with a fire until you. Uh, uh, and if you don't know how to make a fire, they make you learn. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's uh, that's that was the first day. Yeah, I remember not. What did? What kind of food did you have on your? first reflection do you remember uh i i'm pretty sure i came in around like afternoon and it was either uh um the wraps they always had like oh, mm -hmm. leaf mixed greens and uh like cold like one or two cold cuts and the uh cheese and mayonnaise and like uh uh or it was on like so the crappy ass bread that was always frozen immediately. Uh, uh, it was either a sandwich or it was because uh, uh, I, I don't know. It was one or the other. So, Jason, one of the first questions I have for you is what were the staff like during your stay at Ironwood? They were very good for me personally. I definitely watched a lot of uh, large disrespect of staff towards students, uh, especially the troublemakers. The, the troublemakers specifically, you know, Wyatt, uh, uh, for the first episode, he mentioned about someone in their code, Adam. Uh, um, <laughs> and he was a troublemaker in the staff. A lot, there's certain staff like Ryan and Jess. 
anything you do, like if you made any mistake of like, you know, cause some staff are lenient about like forgetting to sit up or, you know, asking to sit or stand or whatever. Yeah, um, or she'd have you like know. run hills and like sit there yes, and be like so yes. angry if you were tired. Her, her, yes. Her stuff was a weird, like, yeah, that's so, I think that's really yeah. an important note actually, because I think there were a lot of staff that day to day they would do the chores with us or they would, you know, do the workouts with yeah. us. And that just made us feel uh-huh. like, you know, a bit more human or a bit more um, like li- just not as belittled as we usually are by staff who would not do anything with us. They would just uh, belittle us and tell us we were doing not doing enough or doing too little or doing something wrong or just catch us on any little thing, but not yep. be someone like that we could um, like look up to, honestly. No. That's, Sometimes the staff's hands are tied and like they can't do stuff. But like Dan, um, he was a military and he was someone I really looked up to because he he was a goofball. He he knows when knew when to turn it on, like you know f- when fun time is and when you know it's it's work time. You know when we got to be serious and when we can have a little bit of fun. Uh, um, he's a very straight edge guy but so sarcastic and just he, if if you have are hot-headed basically you ended up calling you on your bullshit and, and uh uh not like trying to get you in trouble but it, it's trying to teach kids that are hot-headed and stuff like how to you know take a breath and relax and like but he would also do the exercises because he was a you know an ex uh uh vet, you know he was a veteran not an ex-veteran but, but i don't think i remember yeah. him too much maybe he was with the guys a lot um, at what point in the program did you decide to comply with the rules to move forward? So I complied almost immediately because, uh, you know, I was well aware about, you know, being sent as well as my, you know, mine was court mandated. Uh, uh, and I had to uh, graduate the program to, you know, get my, you know, for the court mm-hmm. system to hold up there end of the deal um so going on in right off the back it, you know i i complied and yes you know really kissing ass like i guarantee that a lot of kids might think that like i'm a goodie you know that were in my like take up you know like a goodie because i played that card so hard you know i really did comply so uh, I think I want to just mention real quick some of the rules that we had to comply with when we first got there. So a lot of the yeah. rules that we had were like we had to ask to step in or step out of doorways to sit to stand. We had to ask if we could pour milk. We had to a- we had to wash hand wash our clothes. So we would have to like advocate to do that on weekends. We would have to um, count count when we went to the bathroom <laughs> after eating, which. I, I wanted to say this. Yeah, I um, wanted to bring that up perfectly. <laughs> if you, and if any of you ever have to try to poop and count, it's not possible. So uh, just As imagine. Well scream it out. Yeah, so that shout it very loud. You have to do it. If you're if you have roommates or with your family, you know, go into the bathroom and do it while you are you know going poop and. Because you would, they'd make you scream at the top of your lungs. Try to do that and make sure that you're, you know, and see how difficult it is see and how like humiliating <laughs> and degrading and uncomfortable it is. Like it, it, it's not fun. We were not allowed to speak to other our peers unless we asked the staff if we could, mm. if they could listen in. We weren't allowed to sing. We weren't allowed to speak out a term. We had to do there were lots of rules anyway. 
So, um, yeah, when I say, uh, at what point did you decide no, to comply? Where, like, how did you find the rules? And like, which rules do you think were the most difficult for you and moving up and progressing through the levels? I really don't know. Like to me, to be brutally honest, like, like I really BS my way the whole entire way. Like I was trying to be like a fast track six to nine, you know, they said six to nine months and they really said there were some kids that did it, but you got to work your ass off and really be a goody too. Like not a goody too, like rat, not a, not a turkey. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, you really had to, no matter what, you know, may I say, may I say, you know, you can't mess up. Any demerits went against your time there. And I, you know, since I had this, I had two felonies weighing over my head and the time was in jail till I was, uh, you know, over 21, they were saying up to 23, you know, and at 15 years old, I, you know, I'm like, oh my, my life's over. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm immediately complying. I, I wanted that six month period, get it done and over with and get back to like, and, and then eventually the cookie crumbled, you, you know, as I got, I, I got caught a, a for some, you know, messaging people on Facebook when I was, uh, uh, you know, on a, you know, impromptu home visit for a day. And that's like when I, the cookie crumbled and then it was like, really like, okay, they figured me out. So my last question for you is who or where do you think you would be if you were never sent to Ironwood? Um, uh, genuinely dead. You know, I try not to think that that's like where I was like, and it's really is, is because, uh, uh, where I was at in life, I wasn't even happy with myself. Like, yeah, I had some, had some, you know, issues with myself of, of draw, you know, you know, getting really, really, really screwed up at school. Get, you know, my buddy, his brother was a pharmacist. And so we were getting like, this was the time of drugs. Your pharmaceuticals were really lenient and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to me at the time, I'm like, oh, it's just cough medicine. And, you know, get really fucked up, you know, every day, first thing. And then it was like triple C's, coursing cotton cold, which is, you know, cough medicine as well. And, uh, you know, this is all my freshman year of high school. And, and, uh, straight up downhill like I was fucking stealing I was doing a lot of stupid shit that I knew was wrong and I still feel so wrong about it you know because it eats at me you know it really does because you know it was fucked up and either way I was on fast track to you know being in jail or something yeah yeah, being very fucked up if I hadn't have gotten arrested uh, uh, I was on the fast track to bad news like in my whole life as you know and just fucking up shit with my family and i you know hated the fact of it so i mean either way is like if i didn't die from substances or like someone killing me i probably was going to take my own life because i really hated the fact of it but after i got arrested i immediately knew like my life's over you know as at 15 years old and having two felonies uh, threat, two threatenings with a deadly weapon, one with a knife, one with a gun. And, uh, you know, it was just with my father. We got in a fight. I didn't want to get my, you know, I, I black out when I fight and I didn't want to fight my father, you know, because I love him. And, uh, you know, I made sure the gun was unloaded and I pulling the knife was a bad move. I, that's why I had to pull the fucking gun because he was about to beat my fucking ass even with a knife. Uh, um, you know, but like two felonies at 15, your life's over. You know, a lot of people like that when stuff happens is you can't even go back to school because the school will deem you a threat to the other students' uh, safety and health. 
uh, uh, you like, you know, you either have to move or even homeschooled or like your life's over. I already was, you know, immediately as soon as like, you know, the first night, you know, in juvie, I was like, you know, and then it hit me the next day. I never ever in my life had an anxiety attack ever. And, and until that day and, um, fuck. Wow. It's like, you know, I'm getting teared up thinking about it. It's like, you know, I don't care who you are, how tough you are, you know, whatever you're doing. But when the fucking hammer slams and you're behind bars, that is when you, it just is snatching your head and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah everything's over my life's over you know I had to literally like I, I, I don't know I mean people who have anxiety they know what I'm talking about a real full-on anxiety attack to like you can't get your breath you know you will no matter what you even feel if like you're gonna die like, or you wish yeah, you could oh, no, oh I was fetal position like straight up fetal position like squeezing on a uh you know a little uh you know, towel, like it went on for hours. And, uh, after that, like I, I had a little bit of hope because, you know, he looked me dead in the eyes and was like, listen, if you pull your shit together, be a good boy. Like this is your first offense. You know, you'll, you'll be good. So I had that little gleam of hope, but still in the back of my head, right off the back, I was, uh, you know, wanted to kill myself. Just because that's only like at the time I'm like, eh, it's the easy way out. I don't want to struggle with fucking trying to get a job as a double felon, uh, you know, at a young age, you know? Yeah. Like over time, but like, but I think that's, I think that's like an important note as well to say that you think you would be dead if you weren't at our, you know, if you were never sent to Ireland. I think it's important that like a lot of people are saying that because I don't necessarily think that Ironwood was like a horrible, terrible experience overall. No, there was so many things no. that I learned and progressed and growed mm-hmm. um, from being there. I just think that there were a lot of staff or, um, you know, uneducated staff or like for mm-hmm. what we, what they there were there no for. There was no screening process. There was no screening process and there was just too many Or education. There was no education requirement either. They didn't have um, like a psychology, like nope, any psychology field anything. or anything. Go to like, no requirements you know, were, were, even like considered when they hired these people, like they were just straight out of college with no degrees that Mm -hmm. specialized in what we were there for. And so I feel like, yes, the program was in a beautiful therapeutic woodland, wooded area where we could be in nature and we could be with animals and we could get therapy and we could go to school. But at the same time, we were punished for so many things. And when we did go home, we still asked if we could step in and out of doorways. We still thought it was weird that we weren't being checked on by staff. We constantly were like, worried we were going to get sent back and um even though this this place like you know really helped me not want to kill myself anymore I think that was like almost like a a realization I made within myself at the program after being broken by all the rules and yes. stuff. Um, that's what did it for me is you they break you and yeah. that's what I kind of was touching on is like I bullshitted until it's like the cookie crumbles and I had to finally break that like Right, you know, yeah, they 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 break you. If you're gonna graduate, you're gonna break. Yeah, you'll be broken first. And I feel like that's that's so sad because I feel like I could have got to that point as well, but also not 
had to go through. Yeah, go through um, that much bullshit. So much, like, just, yes, like, talk to, yeah. like, the staff was aware of, I, I feel, I've always thought this, if the staff was aware of truly what our issues were, like, on point with, you know, if the staff were actually social workers or therapists or whatever, you know, is that our head therapists say, so to speak, you know, they communicate with them and say, hey, this is the things you need to work on. So, you know, work, you know, hey, you know, bring them aside and be like, you know, give them, a, you know, they might be down on themselves all the time. So say, hey, you're doing a good job today. Scrub, you know, scrubbing the floors or, you know. Like yeah, the kids that needed those, it the most. We've had help. Yeah, I mean, well, because the staff is with the kids all day long. And yeah. the staff have no idea what the fuck the kids' issues are. Mm-hmm. And so that's like, you guys brought it up back at the last one. Is like, we're all... Uh, inmates or like we're all criminals seem to some of the most of the staff because they have no fucking idea what we're there for that was ridiculous most of the staff thought we were there for drugs literally I have this huge issue about that place specifically about how they pushed this idea that boys specifically I don't know about the girls but every person that came through that program had a substance problem no matter what and I have such an issue with it that was a lot of kids as well I feel like there was a lot of kids who were put in the program they didn't necessarily have a substance issue the the problem was the relationship with the parents and communication I just gotta say this right out now it's like it's like it all comes down the communication and I'm sorry for like raising like and cutting you off but it's communication it really is because I feel like a lot of the kids who struggled there um had a really tough relationship with their parents where they didn't feel loved and they didn't feel you could see in their faces like Mm -hmm. they would if we could hug each other Mm -hmm. how many times like I don't know how many boys that like you know that were there that I've looked them in the eyes as well as myself to them and just like you can just see how broken each other is and you just want to like you know we're all there for it. we've been there with each other and like you really do just want to be like yeah I love you man like I'm right there with you even if you hate the person because yeah. we're all in the, you know no physical touch to a child like you're not oh my what? god we were kids i was so fucked up from that i still am just because like, like i got it got over it towards the end but like in the beginning where it's like oh i can't talk to my family like it wasn't even about my family it was, oh i can't even talk to my mom I can't even talk to my mom. Your, your original letters were like, they were, they were those, they're part of your reflection. Your only, your first communication with your parents were letters of why your understanding of why you were sent there and this, that, and the other, like, but always immediately look at the phone and be like, God, I just want to like, you know, I want to call my mom. I want to like talk like, but you know, you got to wait till, you know, Sunday, like Sunday phone calls or family therapy. And, and, you know, you have no privacy during those even. Yeah. You know, uh, I actually uh, remember when one of my mom let one of my friends send me mail and it was like the first time I was like the first time I heard from them, the whole program. And they wrote to me, how did she get it in? She she, she gave them a sticker. Envelope. Yeah, it was so it was so oh, weird. Oh, she gave a sticker. Yeah, 
I just yeah. I went outside on the deck up at the farmhouse and I like read it like and just cried and just like couldn't God. believe couldn't it believe was your it. First touch to the outside world. I felt yeah, man. It was it, uh, oh my god, prisoner. Surreal. It goes back to the prisoner thing. Like you know, I've told you before, and like when I, we first like told you my story and stuff, it's like you know you you're literally feel like a prisoner. Like uh, oh my goodness, like I'm gonna be really quick on this, but like. I don't know if you guys ever got to go to the uh, um, the Union Fair. I think it was. It, it was one of the you know like really uh, crunchy you know ground only uh, uh, fairs in Maine. And uh, um, oh my god! Um, literally, uh, you know, we were, while we were walking together as groups and stuff, and you know, boys and girls all go together, and like this, there was like a bunch of extra staff on, so there's like groups of five. We're walking through, you know, walking back to the vans and stuff. And I walk past one of my friends that I grew up with, like all the way from, you know, preschool and stuff. And I like, we literally are looking, you know, I'm in this group of people and like, she's looking at me like I've got 12 heads and I'm looking at her like she's got 12 heads. And I'm like, Sophia, she's like, Jesus. She's like, holy shit. You know, I'm trying so hard. Like the emotions, the the amount of emotions Jesus, that yeah. at, at that moment, because we're so deprived of not alone. And I didn't even. I even told the staff. I was like, I don't give a fuck if you give me a demerit because I gave her like a big old hug. I'm not gonna lie. Like it was just like seeing my friend. Like just even like realizing like it was like it's like a dog seeing their owner after like five years and like being young. <laughs> like like that's literally was feeling of seeing like my friend you know we're so deprived of mm. outside anything including family it's fine if you exclude the uh you know friends and whatnot but like family like that's fucked as well as like the fact that we couldn't even hug each other like words like i'm so excited for this whole thing as a whole for like hey i hope that other kids like from Ironwood as well and other, other programs or whatever like you know because like they do that with wilderness programs like you run away it's the same thing but uh, um, uh, so after I had been there for uh, about six months uh, I was zipping through the program so fast you know I was going to be one of those six month graduates of the six to nine month program and, and uh, growing up in Maine, it was easy for me to, to be acquainted to the area and the woods and, and uh, survive and, and everything in general. But so there was uh, me and a bunch of other kids. They were, uh, there was a staff member that was bringing in uh, porn for us. And, uh, Drugs, oh, cigarettes, whatever the, you know, you name it. He was willing to bring it for us, and and uh, there was a couple. So there was a couple of boys that were cheeking their meds, and we were trading food, you know, snacks for medicine, you know, uh, uh, bivans, and uh, me and a bunch of other kids, uh, you know, we all had dirty pee because some of us weren't supposed to have them, and so one of the kids ended up ratting. Uh, to their staff, you know, to their therapist, telling them all about the, the shenanigans that were going on and with the staff member and whatnot. So me and three other kids, you know, I, I'm almost blue, at, you know, level four at this point. I just 
uh, had parents or just had gone home for a, you know, a quick home visit. And so, uh, when I had gotten back and me and a bunch of other kids, we all got drug tested and, uh, I, I failed, failed my drug test and, uh, for amphetamines because of the Vyvanse. And I still remember it. Darren, uh, oh man, he was this big hip guy and could not really run that well or, or, you know, fuck, not an athletic man. Nice guy. And, uh, he, um, he drug tested me and that, you know, I tried to bullshit it, tried to bullshit and, you know, drug tests don't really lie. Um, and so he was like, all right, we're going to pack your shit, take you back down to fry level one. Here you go. Uh, and so I started packing my bag up, you know, getting all my shit together. And as soon as he left the room, we were up at the farmhouse. As soon as he left the room. I bolted out the side front door and just ran, 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 ran. You know, I took my rain jacket and put on my boots, tied them on as tight as I could, and just ran and ran, ran right down to uh, where the admin building was and then cut in right into this uh, trail that was right below it and uh, ran that trail as far as I could to the road and... Uh, I followed that, I, I followed that road for a while, you know, all my, you know, trying to head towards Rockland, which is the next biggest town over, because I have family friends over there that I figured, you know, I could say, oh, yeah, hey, how are you? You know, a lot of people didn't know where I was, so I could just be like, hey, I need to use your phone and uh, uh, get, a, get a ride and go somewhere. And uh, so I ran and ran and ran and... Uh, uh, this went on for hours. It was downpouring. You know, they had the game warden next door who lived next door, and he had a helicopter. And so I had him with the helicopter flying around the whole area. I had two sher- uh, one sheriff, one state trooper, and both of them had canines. And when you first get to Ironwood, they, uh, you know, do a scent, you know, wipe your neck and stuff for scent so they can track you. If you ever run, have a coat on them. And uh, I I probably was gone for at least four or five hours. And when that happens, the whole entire campus has to go on lockdown. Kids can't do shit. You know, I felt kind of bad because, you know, everyone's like, stop, can't do nothing because of me. And, uh, me, you know, it, meanwhile, this whole time, I'm running well on um, on conditions of release for the court to finish this program. So if I had have gotten caught, the police didn't know it, the staff didn't know it. And so if, if I had gotten caught, I would have gone straight to jail and faced my charges, which were two felonies and been in jail till I was at least 21 at, at 15 years old. And... Uh, there was this bridge a little bit down the, you know, probably three, four miles down the road that, you know, you had to cross through this river stream. And, uh, you know, I sat there waiting right before the river for a good minute, waiting and waiting. And, you know, I saw a couple of staff pass by back and forth and said, oh, nothing, you know, waited till uh, the right time. And I, I took my time when I thought it was clear. And uh, Paul, Dave was down the road and Paul ended 
ended up seeing me crossing this river. And so he stopped his car and is like screaming at me, oh, come on, Jason, go do it. You know, he's the only one who knows what really, how bad it could have been. So he's like trying to lure me in, you know, with like, oh, you don't, you know, this could be bad for you, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I remember clear as day, I said, fuck you, motherfucker. I just kept running. I ran right through the right through this river, you know, right up to my waist. I sunk right in as soon as I hit the center of it, and uh, you know, running like as if as if I've been in like a an internment camp, like a, a like a, a a prisoner of war. That's literally how I was running and how I felt. Like I felt like I finally got my break from like leaving from what felt like prison. And, uh, I just fucking kept running. I ran through these farm fields, you know, I'm soaking wet. It's been raining out. I've been soaked this whole time. My boots are soaking wet and I keep running and I keep getting farther and farther. And I get down to the, uh, the, um, the moral general store and I run past through that intersection. At this point, they're all catching up on me, you know, so they ended up chasing me down the power lines that was behind the general store. And at this point, the uh, sheriff and the state trooper are there with their dogs, and they're fucking chasing me down this power line. And I've probably got a 100-yard, you know, 100-yard uh, lead on them. And uh, I was so drained at this point. You know, I've been going for hours and hours, you know, almost a half a day at this point. And uh, um I remember they were sitting, they said, kept yelling at me, stop, stop, stop. And they kept catching up because they were fresh at running. And, you know, they got closer and closer. And then they were probably about 30 yards away. And they were like, stop, stop. You better stop or we're going to release the dogs. And I was just like, oh, fuck me. I'm not trying to, you know. And, like, in my head, I'm thinking about, like, kicking this dog in the head, like, killing it. And I love animals. To, like, I would never do that to an animal. Never, and I can't, I hate myself for thinking of, like, that I would do that, but, like, it was such a fight or flight at the time that, like, I would have done anything to get away and get out, and, uh, yeah, they ended up, you know, kept getting closer and closer when I finally, you know, I'm, I'm stumbling at this point, and, you know, I stop, and, you know, because they're very close, and I end up, they tell me to get on the ground, dogs are barking right behind me, you know, and all, you know, it's, it's still, you're like in that zone of fight or flight. And it's like, man, I kind of want to kill these dogs and keep running. Cause like, I don't think these officers are going to use, you know, any force or anything. Cause their job is just to get a kid that's run away from this facility that has, you know, parents have turned their legal guardianship over to this facility. So like the facility, if I got that, you know, died or anything, the facility's, you know, liable for it. So they, you know, they don't even realize what's going, you know, the officers don't, they have one job, one job only. They don't really give a shit except for getting you back. And, uh, yeah. I hope that, uh, yeah, your podcast keeps going and you get more kids, uh, from the program on the podcast and, uh, keep breaking hope they can silence get together. Yeah, exactly. Breaking <laughs> the silence together. Seriously. Like, like, Oh, talking to just talking to you and, and a couple other people like just you know recently of like just pushing it down and pushing it down and forgetting about it. it's like it's it's good because you got to get it da- out it's like because you know it's, you got to deal with stuff someday <laughs> <laughs> gotta pull that band-aid off and really deal with it you know yeah 
Well, uh, thank you again. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jason. Take care.